Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Just Riding Along on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello and welcome to the 15th episode of Just Riding Along in the year 2015. Tonight's episode is brought to you... (laughs) Sorry, I was thinking of something funny. ...is brought to you by (laughs) Riding and Gravel, but not Riding Gravel because that's some stuff that Ben does elsewhere and not here, so we can't say that this show is brought to you by Riding Gravel um, and Scrub Jays because Scrub Jays live by our new house, so... With all of that said, oh God, I'm not prepared at all. Someone should make small talk while I check some stuff out. Uh, I'm going to do some wildfire uh, mitigation this week. Or not this what week. What does that mean? So basically the Forest Service puts out these standards for how you should cut trees and brush and stuff around your house so that if there is a forest fire near your house, it is less likely that your house will burn down and... I'm not following those standards to a T because I really like having a house that is kind of deeply forested and shaded and stuff. But I am going to do a lot of thinning of the area around the house. Um, They say like no trees within 30 feet of your house, which the house would be so fucking hot if I didn't have some of that shade that it would be almost as hot as if the house actually caught on fire. So do you live in a place where, like, throughout the day, the part of the mountain that you're on, that it gets shaded, or no? Um, The mountain doesn't shade the house. Yeah, we're not quite, like, deep enough into the mountain, but we are high enough on the mountain that we have um, lodgepole pine trees. So pinion pine trees grow at, like, slightly lower, warmer, drier elevations, and then lodgepole pine trees grow a little higher up. And, I mean, that's a very broad generalization, but it's a good broad generalization. And we're at, like, a place where they mix along with some scrub oak. Um, The scrub oak we can cut down because it is definitely, like, little matchsticks. Um, But, yeah, like, we just basically need to cut a lot of branches away from the house and then cut some trees down that lean towards the house and cut some trees out that are growing under bigger trees that would resist like so you basically on the larger trees you raise the crown of the trees which means you you cut all of the stuff off of the bottom of them and if there's a small tree growing under a big tree you just cut the small tree down so it just keeps stuff from catching on fire like a a really big tree that's you know like two feet around at the base like it it can have fire all around it and it won't necessarily catch on fire and burn down but if a small tree sits there and like burns under it for an hour, then it might catch on fire and burn down. So what you're saying is the more girthy the tree, the less likely it is to catch on fire? Yeah, exactly. You want girthy trees in your yard, and we're going to cut down all the trees that don't have good girth. There you go. So if the tree's like real spindly, like just long and spindly, it's not or good. Or short and spindly, like especially the short spindly ones, like those just, they're just gone like right away. I get those with the silky saw, just just gone you just just like rip them off with a spoon yeah pretty much are you still researching or do you need me to keep talking about wildfire mitigation i'm ready to talk about listener donations if you guys want to party on that real quick yeah let's jump in it timo a timo i don't know someone uh A? no it's t-i-m-o timo timo Oh, they're from Finland, so it's probably Timo. It's Uh, Timo. Timo sent over $25. So, Timo, 
fuck yeah, however you say fuck yeah in Finlandish. Yeah, there we go. I wonder if Marcel would know. I mean, I know he's, they're different places. He's Dutch. He doesn't well, know, I know, but that's like, I know. He definitely doesn't know him. I mean, if I heard someone speak in like Alabama, I could understand them better than someone from like England. All right, so Ned G <laughs> says, long overdue donation. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks. And he sent over 50 doll hairs. And he is from Johnson City. <laughs> Johnson City. That's in Tennessee. Um, and then They the, got a NASCAR track there. The last one is... Isn't one of the World Cup downhill guys from Tennessee? Yeah, maybe. But I'm pretty sure for There's, some reason. Look, Tennessee is a state of... It's like a very bipolar state. Like, the east side is mountains and... Like, I tell people I'm from Tennessee, and they're like, oh, there's some great riding there. I'm like, not from where I'm from. Yeah, you've got, like, Louisiana feel, uh, like, Delta action. It's really more you like got, North Mississippi. Yeah, you got a bunch of hood stuff. Then you've got, like, Nashville, which is, like, you know, <sighs> like, they Just, try to be trendy Oh, you stuff. know what it and is? Nashville is terrible. Oh, can, I tell you what, can I tell you what Nashville is? Uh, Yeah. Hard liquor milkshakes. That sums up Nashville. Hard liquor milkshakes? Yeah, that sums up Nashville to a T. Anyway, keep keep going. Um, Ugg boots and calorie boots like in the same closet. You got it. And then uh, Mark D sent over $10, and he sent a question. So we'll get to that pretty quickly. But Can I talk about what I've done since it's fresh on my mind? Dear God, I would hope you would. <laughs> was that sarcasm i can't even tell <laughs> that's just drinking his beer um so i've been doing so i don't know if have i talked about buying a house because i bought a house we have because we've done at least one episode from the house i think you've talked about it um, yeah so i bought a house and it's really fucking awesome and my new favorite recovery activity is chicken watching which is Kind of, if you can imagine meditation, but while you're staring at chickens instead of closing your eyes. That's really the best way I can describe it. Like, it's it's an activity, like, they're just interesting enough that you don't sit on a swing and get bored. Like, I have this, you know, like a, a swing that sits under a tree. Um, it's like a port swing, but it's freestanding, so... Just sit on the swing and watch the chickens, and they're just interesting enough. You won't get bored, but they're not really, like, exciting enough that you're really engaged with them. So you just sit there, and you just don't think. And it's just, it's wonderful. Like, if you have the space and the time to have some chickens, I fully would encourage you to get chickens and watch them from time to time. Because they have, like, this social structure and... Get a rooster if it's legal in your area because the rooster is amazing. Like, he keeps order. He wakes you up at 5 a.m. or earlier. Fuck that. <laughs> and as long as you let him know right off the bat, like, hey, man, if you come after me, I'm going to punt you across the yard. Um, because the rooster is protective. Like, he protects the hens. You know, while they're all, like, laying around in the trees and like sunbathe they literally they sunbathe they take like dirt baths they dig a, a hole in the dust and they roll around in it and then just they lay like a imagine a chicken like laying kind of on its side with its feet kicked out to one side they do that when it's sunny they just lay there in the sun and in the dirt and it's it's just funny but while the hens are doing that the rooster is like 
vigilant. He's just looking around and just paying attention to everything around. And if there's something dangerous, he'll like bagawk at them and they'll all run and hide under the trees. It's really cool. So, so what's, chicken the, watching what's the egg situation? Are there like ones that I don't know shit about chickens? Are there ones that like, are there certain ones that lay eggs and other ones that don't or ones that like don't at like normal intervals? How does that work? So all young hens will lay eggs very regularly, like even more than once a day. And roosters obviously don't, that's the male chicken is a rooster. Sure. They don't lay eggs. They All they do is like watch the hens and have sex with hens. I thought there were varieties of chickens that like yeah, kind of don't, they I, don't just like crank out eggs. I think some crank out eggs and some of them just lay eggs whenever. And when they're younger, they lay more eggs. And when they get older, they lay fewer eggs. And I'm just trying to learn about uh, chicken nugget progression. Yeah, and so the chickens here are a little older, so they don't lay... There are nine hens and a rooster, so I have ten chickens. I get anywhere from two to five eggs a day, which is pretty low for having nine hens. But they have already become my pets, and I know they're old enough they would taste terrible if I tried to eat them. So I'm just going to keep them because I love watching them, and like we've already... I've named them. So the rooster is Brent. Because he looks like my coworker Brent, because Brent has no eyebrows, and he shaves his head, so he and the rooster look kind of similar. Um, and you can, if you ever come in absolute bikes, you'll know Brent when you see him because he has no eyebrows, and you can make fun of him for it or just ask him about it because it's funny. Ask him why, and he'll tell you, and it's it's just hilarious, and he has a good sense of humor. So, um, the rooster is Brent. There's Beyonce. Um, there's two, two hens are named Jen, who's Brent's wife, because one of the black hens is, there's two of them, and one of them is, uh, really protective of the rooster, like, she'll, she'll chase the other hens away from him, um, and I can't tell them apart, they're, like, the only two I can't tell apart, so I just named them both Jen. Um, so Beyonce, Jen, one of the, ch- the hens is Amanda Batty, because she just has a lot of personality, like Amanda Batty. Um, there's adventure hen because if the weather's bad, she'll go out when the other hens don't. I don't remember all of them, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're awesome. Like get chickens if you can have chickens. That's all I'm saying. Other than that, yesterday I went to a bike race. I went to the GoPro games, which I don't necessarily love the GoPro games. It's a big kind of outdoor vendor festival. They have lots of different events. They've got paddling and dog stuff and stand-up paddle boards and yoga and mountain biking. They've got a road bike uphill time trial. They've got all like they've got pretty much every outdoor activity anyone could want in one weekend of stuff, including a mountain bike race with a really awesome payout. And they do a pro payout, which is really good. Uh, you have to be in the top five in the pro category. It's equal pay, men and women, which is awesome. Um, in the pro category, you have to be top five to get in the payout. It kind of, because the payout's so good, um, it's a little bit like a Colorado World Cup race. Uh, most of the 
racers who are really like the top end pros, they come out and they try to make some money. So it's hard to get in the top five there. Uh, I decided to do single speed because it's single speed actually has a payout of $500 for first place. And I think it's two or $300 for second and then a hundred dollars for third. So chance of $500 went, got the $500. Um, Sarah Sheets was there. If you've been listening a long time, you know that uh, she and I raced uh, four years ago now, or I guess three and a half years ago at Breck Epic and literally gave each other PTSD about the race. Like, she didn't ride for a month. We were, we had nightmares about racing each other because we tried to kill each other so hard. Um, so we have a little bit of history racing. She beat me at Breck Epic. Um, the, I did GoPro games two years ago and beat her. And then again this year, um, when I beat her two years ago, she was injured. She had injured herself actually in Salida, like riding there. She had hurt her back. And then... Um, this year, you know, she was in much better shape, and we're just kind of chatting uh, with the other lady lined up with us for single speed, and you know, introducing ourselves and everything. The lady Erin uh, from Eagle uh, was real nice. Has coached some with Karen for the Vale Valley uh, Kids program, um, and Sarah was like, "Andrea is not nice." Like once we start. She is not this nice, just to warn you, uh, which was true. Uh, we started, so this year, the snowpack, I don't know if anyone's following snowpack levels in Colorado, but they're like four to 600% of normal. And so the course itself is in the Vail ski area and half, the, like you could probably ski on ha the top half of the hill and they plowed a lot of the roads for us to race on. And then routed it onto the trails that were dry enough to ride on. So they shortened the course from 7 miles to 5 miles. So it was a really fast race. And because it was a 5 mile loop instead of 7, I'm thinking, well, it's a shorter climb. So I'm going to run a 32.20 instead of a 32.21. And that was just a bad idea. Because even though it was a shorter climb, it's still really, really steep. Like for the first 5 minutes, I set a 5 minute... Um, which was, I'm not saying this was a good idea. I'm just saying this is what happened. I set a five minute personal best power of like 279 Watts. And that's at a body weight of like a little, somewhere between 135 and 140 is what how, I'm how long was that again for five minutes. Nice. Yeah. And it was like the 10 minute wattage around that was also really good like following it because the climb kept going but that was like the first really steep like starting pitch so it was like whole shot and then you know like it just basically it was 20 feet of flat double track and then it just went straight up the ski hill and yeah so it was five minutes at like 279 and my average cadence was 50 my lowest and I don't know how accurate this is but lowest cadence was 10 and there were definitely other spots on course where if I could go and just pick them out of the data, the, the RPMs were probably like 20 to 30 RPMs. Like it was intense and I could feel, so <laughs> I've been at my new house, I've been building this retaining wall. So I've been moving a lot of rock and 
the ground here is just full of rocks. Like, you just dig a hole and you dig rocks out of a hole more than you dig dirt. And so I've been building this retaining wall, and so I've been carrying a lot of rocks over to the wall because I'm not going to buy rocks. I'm just going to go get them out of my yard. I got two acres of rocks. So I've been using all the same muscles that you use when you single speed, and I could feel it. Like, I'm I'm cranking up at some of these pitches just at, like, 20 RPMs and just feeling the same muscles that I've been, like, moving rocks with. So it was pretty awesome. I mean, that along with um, Linda Wallenfels, like, she's an awesome coach, and... You know, she's been just, uh, you know, she gives me the work to do. I do the work, and I've just kept getting faster. So it's pretty awesome. And that's it, really. Like, I won a race. I don't know if I t- – I didn't talk about – we didn't record after Gunnis and Growler, did we? Mm, I mean, it sounds familiar, but maybe I'm wrong. Oh, I did the half Growler at Gunnison. I didn't yeah, do I think, I think you did. I'm pretty sure you yeah, mentioned yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I won't talk about that anymore. I was second there in case anyone didn't catch it, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember now talking about that it was more technical than I remembered, but still pretty cool. Matt, have you been doing shit? He's been scrolling through Imgur looking at memes. My foot hurts. Uh, hurt my foot, so I'm not really going to mountain bike until it feels better. So there's that. And... Um, yeah, uh, I don't really have a ton to talk about. I've been riding my gravel bike, but I haven't been riding my mountain bike. Uh, we have a really great commute. Yeah. The commute is gnarly. It's 18 miles each way. It's awesome riding. It's super fun. Um, every ride that we do, like if, if we ride from the house, it ends with a 20 to 25 minute climb. Yeah, to come Just, home takes, it's 600 feet of climbing to go from anywhere you would ride back up to the house. So, you know, have a bad day? Fuck you, climb 600 feet. Feel yeah. awesome? Fuck yeah, climb 600 feet. Exactly. That's why I say 20 to 25 minutes. Yeah. Well, I don't know, I did, a, I did the 20-minute power test the other day and made it up in 15 minutes, but that was painful. You wouldn't do that unless you were trying to. I was kind of bonky last night on the way home, and I probably did it in 22, right. 24, something. It wasn't fast. Anyways, I've just been working and doing projects around the house and riding my gravel bike. So that's really it. I don't really have much to say because I'll sound like a blowhard if I just complain about things. So I'm not going to. Not yet. Um I'll complain about things later, but what about you, Kenny? Uh, I've been riding. It's been a little bit nicer here the past couple of weeks, so that's good. Finally, um, right? Yeah, it's been, I think, I mean, it's everywhere in the U.S. pretty much. Pretty sure that the month of May, for the most part, in almost every state, was the most rain we've gotten in like 100 years or something. It's really, really crazy. So anyway, it's getting nicer here. Uh, the local trails here, Corner Canyon, been riding those a decent amount. Been putting some more time on my new XTR 9120 brakes. And if you remember, I was kind of uh, on the fence about them. They're, I don't dislike them at all. They're great. Um, really good lever feel. They look nice. They're not the lightest things on the planet. But um, anyway, quality brake. Are they worth $360 a piece? Mm, yeah, I don't know. 
However, I've been riding them more, a little time in Fruta, um, kind of just mess around with them a little bit. Cause like the normal trails around here, you really don't need brakes at all. Um, but there's a, uh, a screaming descent on the road back down to my house and I was doing like 40 and I tried to break like 20 feet away from the light and they stop. Like it's, <laughs> it's really crazy. Like I was worried. It's just that I was in gonna... expensive brakes work. Well, yeah, yeah. I thought I was going to snap my Fox 34 off my bike. <laughs> so yeah. And they felt exactly the same all the way until they stopped. It's so impressive without a doubt, the most headroom of any brake that I've ever ridden, including like guide RSCs and that kind of thing. So that's pretty cool. I mean, there's definitely tech in them. Is it needed for most people? No, I'd say not. In fact, I what think... Do you, wait, what do you mean by headroom? Uh, as in, they feel good at low speeds. Like, they've got normal, modern oh, hydraulic okay. disc brake bite. But if you lay into them that hard and then hold on to them for, like, one minute straight, they're going to feel pretty much exactly the same. Like, they don't oh, fade. Good. Yeah. Um, they don't pump up at the lever that much. They're just, I mean, it's a good brake. Do most people need that? I'd say probably not. Uh, I want to say that some of the DH guys are running, like World Cup DH guys, I'm pretty sure some of them are running those XTRs. Granted, they don't break very much because, well, if you break, you lose. But still, yeah. But when you, you. you want to be able to, like, you want it to work when you do want it to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the case. So anyway. Because you're going a bazillion miles an hour. Yeah. So long story short, I like them. Your grid breaks, if anyone's on the fence about them, I don't think you're ever going to be disappointed. Uh, they're just fucking expensive. So what else? I did a, I've got a really nice local loop put together. Uh, rode it today. It's like a little over 3,000 feet of climbing, 20 miles. There's a little bit of road I can ride like from my garage, um, ride up the road. It's about 800 foot climb up the road, and then another... A thousand on single track all the way to the tippy top, and then you get to ride like a downhill only jump trail, and then you climb back up single track, and then you ride some like flat stuff, and then you ride a really steep climb, and then you get to do super chunky rocky descent, and then you get to do flowing fast like corner speed limited through the trees kind of cross country stuff, which is fun, and then you rip back down the road. So it's just a really cool loop that has like everything on it um a lot of fun so did that today had a good time um i don't think i have any other new goodies i'm gonna finally rebuild my fork and shock i'm gonna try to do that tonight and give it some tlc i got some new fork wipers from push no have (laughs) what the fuck what you don't like this i'm I'm ending this fucking show right now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sounds could be wrong matt it sounds like maybe you don't like push it sounds like maybe i've seen so many forks destroyed by push push wipers that i just know those wipers just look like a bad idea yeah really you, the new ones like the ones that just came out no oh, we haven't seen no, we're talking about like no. the blue ones that are kind of like long and no, sharp at the top those are enduros no they're not uh, well, maybe Push had some other ones. Enduro had those plasticky ones there for a while, like back in the mid to late 2000s. Um, these are, they look like, they basically look like regular Fox wipers. They're black. Oh, no, um, not the the ones we're thinking about are definitely not looking like regular wipers. Oh, uh, these are some super new thing that they have. I, I figure I might give them a shot. Hopefully they don't destroy my fork. 
Um, they've got a bunch of special pixie dust stuff in the seals. Jesus uh, some, yeah, molybdenum, molybdenum disulfide or some bullshit. Anyway, we'll see. Uh, so maybe I'll put those on. Maybe I won't <laughs> put those on. Either way. Well, it sounds like if they're, if they're like normal with a little energizer ring and stuff, they're probably all right. But the, uh, the ones that I'm thinking of when you say push seals are not what you're describing. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. I'm looking at Google Images now. Like, that is definitely not. I'll see if I can find one to send to you. The old ones were like 10 millimeter tall scraper ring, and all they did was scrape the anode right off that bitch. Nice, nice. I am definitely worried about that because the Fox stuff works like so good. And like, why should it- I change it? Like I, that's what I don't comprehend is like, and I'm I'm honestly like I'm not trying to like exaggerate here. Like I'm I'm surprised that you would even risk it. Like why not just go with more fox shit and your fox shit and know that your fox shit's going to keep working great. I was trying to be of service to the people in, of the world to see if something is worth doing. Now you got me all scared. You should be. I found a picture of the old ones, not in a fork, but it is it is a picture of the old ones. Like. The old ones could double as a flashlight. Well, maybe we should... Hopefully someone knows someone at Push, and maybe they need to let us know why I should run those and if they're going to buy me a fork if they ruin my stanchions. No, they'll say it's because you put 10W30 in that bitch instead of Fox Gold. (laughs) I've got Fox Gold. Come on now. (laughs) That doesn't mean you're going to fucking pour it in there. No, I've got Fox Gold. I've uh, I've got the... I uh, got Slick Honey. I got all the real shit. Why do you have that shit at your house, though? So I can rebuild forks in my house. But you don't take care of your fork. Because uh, it's awesome. I don't need to. And then <laughs> I also got the new... I got some flat top... Uh, I got like a whole fat-ass tool set. I got all the flat top sockets to take off. Uh, top cats properly. I've got the new guide bushing fox presses. If you guys don't have those in the shop, buy them immediately. It will change your life. Oh, we got the Abbey Tools set that has like the. No, you no no no. You don't want any of that. It, here's the thing: the Abbey Tool one could be amazing. I'm just. It is. That up, it is really amazing. I'm telling you, buy the new Fox Black Delrin ones. They're not like the old ones. They actually have a guide bushing that goes in. Um, you can even press. Oh, that's in, how the the Abbey one is. Uh, okay, you can even press in uh, pike seals with them. I know for sure. I haven't done other 32s. I'm sure it'd be fine, but a 35 fits on the 34 like perfectly. Um, Kenny, I sent you a picture of the, uh, the seal, the blue seals we were talking about. (laughs) Seals of doom. But yeah, like the Abbey tool set has, um, multiple sizes. It's got 34, 35, 32, I don't know if there's a 40 in there. It's got 36. Yeah, I've... those pretty much just look exactly like the Enduro seals. I think those are actually Enduro seals. Yeah, well, they're awful. Well, anyway, yeah, yeah no, don't ever run those. <laughs> but here's the thing, like, and I say this and I mean it, like, Push used those. Yeah, they push used those a long a good time. Idea, and now Push is saying something else is a good idea. And I'm like, I don't trust you. Like, this is like when guides came out and everybody's like, ah. I'm not sure you still know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, no, we got it. And then they're like, oh, shit. No, but we don't yeah, got I mean, it. Some... Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, all the levers break. Yeah, okay, cool. We'll replace those. Oh, shit. We fucked those up again. <laughs> hey, hey, man. Uh, hey, you know how we said we got it? Uh, maybe we didn't. We didn't uh, got it. But we got it now. 
No, no, this time really we got it. <laughs> um Yeah, so well cool. You're gonna actually take care of your bike. Holy shit. Kenny's running XCR brakes and real fluid in his fork. Holy shit. What is the world coming to? Can we talk about uh, like bad ideas for another minute? After, like something different bad ideas that a, sure. a listener asks us to talk about? Yeah. Let's always talk about bad ideas. This, this is how, oh, no, no. This this is how is, shit happens. This is an actual bad idea. So this listener oh. had a friend who sustained a concussion. Um, went to the hospital? I don't know. I don't remember if she said that he went to the hospital or New not. Helmet Day. Yeah, New Helmet Day. Concussion, New Helmet Day. Um, definitely concussion said, not going to race this weekend. But then the next day was like, never mind, I feel fine. I'm going to go race an enduro this weekend. Just real quick note for those of you out there. From someone that doesn't love you and doesn't know you, and doesn't honestly give two shits about you, because I've never met you, so I don't care about you like your friends and family and coworkers and loved ones do. If you slap your fucking head on the ground, don't just get up the next day and go out and let her buck. Like, that ain't how it works. Like, I'm so over it. I'm tired of seeing people just slam their shit on the ground and then be like, nah, I'm fine, I'm gonna keep racing. No, it's not fine. You shouldn't do it. It's real stupid. Stop it. I just want to tell everyone out there, like, and this is a personal story for myself. When I was seven. Back then. When I was seven, I was on the playground in school. I slipped and I hit my head on the metal balance beam. It's like a four by four kind of S-shaped balance beam, maybe 12 inches off the ground. I hit my head on that. I still remember the noise that it made. Like the, It sounded like someone hit a gong. It fractured my skull. I had a massive concussion. Really bad concussion. I was out, out from school for a week or so. Like I don't even remember how long it was because I was seven. and I, yeah, I could ask my mom. She could tell me. But out from school, went through a bunch of tests and x-rays and all sorts of shit. As soon as I got back to school... Went back out on the playground. And this is, you know, I'm I'm 38 now. So this is before, like, concussion protocols and, like, lawyers and shit. Went back out on the playground. And immediately, like, first or second day back, was hanging upside down on the little parallel bars. And slipped off and landed on my head and got another concussion. And just so you know, about a week ago... I drove to work with the dog in the car and let like got out of the car, shut the door, went to work and didn't get the dog. I forgot I had the dog in the car. And that kind of shit happens to me all the time. And it it's funny a little bit. I mean, it's funny because the dog was okay. I like 2 hours or 3 hours later, I had to go like run an errand in the car, luckily, and the dog was like, "Hey, you going to let me out of here?" And I'm like, oh, yeah, buddy, I'm real sorry. I mean, it's it's funny and it's sad, but that kind of shit happens. Like, I have that kind of memory lapse type shit happen to me all the fucking time. And it probably has a lot to do with me having two concussions in a row within like a month. Yeah, I've always heard that's really bad is that like the worst thing you can do after you get an early concussion is be in a situation where you're going to hit your head again. Like there is definitely some... 
healing process there. And we're obviously learning more about it all the time. And I don't want this to turn into like the concussion episode, but it is really interesting. I watched a, uh, you guys, there might even be books out about it. I'm not really sure, but, um, uh, Earnhardt Jr. He's got a pretty good perspective on it. Cause he comes from, you know, a racing he came family. from the tough guy. He came from the tough guy mentality. His dad was, uh, you know, didn't want the safety shit and ended up getting killed and, all that kind of stuff. So like he, you know, they just, and people are really changing their views on it, which is really cool. Uh, but he has a lot to say about it because he had some major issues. Like couldn't, couldn't stand up, couldn't, couldn't be outside. Um, cause he had a couple of nasty crashes in a row and, and he also just didn't know what was going on. Right. right? And like, right. you know, just his personality, he kind of hid it from his team and all that kind of stuff. And then finally, you know, went and saw some people and uh, apparently got with some like super, super high end doctor who had a lot of really good advice and had him doing, you know, really using his, I think the, the idea was that you really need to exercise your brain even harder than you normally do. Um, as far as mental agility goes and doing all that kind of stuff and working on balance and all that. And he, he definitely seemed to, I think he bounced back pretty good, but Anyway, it's really interesting. I think Joe Rogan has a pretty good interview with uh, Earnhardt Jr. If you haven't seen it and you're curious about it, um, pretty neat stuff. Yeah. I mean, there was that. And then I, I rode horses for a long time, too, when I was a teenager and into my early 20s. And if you fall off of a horse, you just expect having a concussion. Even if you don't hit your – you wear a helmet, and even if you don't hit your head on the ground, really, like you can still get like the whiplash-type whiplash, whiplash type concussion where you um, – you know, like your head doesn't hit the ground, but your head is moving so fast in two different directions that it still makes your brain slam against your skull inside. So, yeah. By the way, riding today, up pretty much at the top of the mountain, here's a bunch of equestrians and four of them, zero helmets. Yeah. Right, horses are like on a mountain. Horses are literally concussion machines. Like you fall from I so far up that. Yeah, I was like super bummed to see that. Yeah. Like you just. You're just going to, if you fall off of a horse, you're, you're basically just minimizing the amount of concussion you get if, by wearing a helmet. So it's, you know, like my, my brain is not as healthy as it could be. That's the point. And so that's the story I'm trying to tell is, you know, our friend who's also a listener said, can you please tell people to stop being stupid with their brains? And I'm here to say, give you my personal story of, I wasn't necessarily, I mean, I was seven. I wasn't being stupid with my brain. Like when, you know, in like 1988, when I was seven, they didn't know as much about the brain and concussions as they did. And, you know, if that happened now, um, the kid would be out of school for probably two months or off of recess. Like during recess, I would have had to sit out because I, you know, I couldn't hit my head again. And that probably would have saved me from some of the shit that I deal with now. So you know, it's interesting. Don't go out and after hit your I head got my concussion, <laughs> after I got my concussion, I think I started riding single speed. So I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if that's why Andrea is the way that she is. So to go on and talk about friends of listeners doing dumb things, <laughs> there's a guy who knows Tim. Tim moved here from Minneapolis. One of Tim's friends. Is this a story about Tim? He had. Doing dumb things. He had 
two bicycles, and one pair of Shimano pedals. And one pair of Crank Brothers pedals. And Tim's friend thought it would be a good idea to buy a second pair of Crank Brothers pedals. <laughs> Shortly after that, Tim's friend bought the new Bontrager pedals. So if we could all come Wait, Bond Trigger makes pedals? Yeah, they're awful. They're like a Richie SPD compatible type thing. They okay. look like they would fall apart if they touched a rock. But they're like, they match axis. So there's that. Oh. So if we could all come together and you could band together and just have like a, like, you know, like that, like interlocking hands around the world. But instead, if we could send like some stop being dumb vibes to <laughs> Tim's friend and help him. As a bike shop employee, just buy another pair of XT pedals, <laughs> like through our mental energy, that would be great. Because that's tell this person that I have no less than probably fifteen pairs of Crank Brothers cleats that I've collected over the years that are all brand new. Uh, so if he wants those for cheap, then wait, did <laughs> the, the Bond Trigger pedals have their own them. cleats? The cleat isn't the part on the Crank Brothers pedal that breaks; it's the whole pedal. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, if he wants some cleats, I don't want them because I will never own Crank Brothers pedals ever again Dude, in my life. Dude, pro move of the year, return them to the shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not in retail packaging. Put Return them to the shop to yourself at a discount. Put a discounted price on them. Boom, profit. You can afford real yeah. Fox Seals. Done. <laughs> um, That's like, so we had, um, we have a couple of Tour Divide people, well, some tour divide people in town and I I overhauled one of their bikes and uh this person had a pair of SPD on one side and like kind of bullshit flat pedal on the other side pedals and she literally brought in she's like I want different pedals here are some pedals I had at the house and she brought in like these clapped out like the cheapest Shimano SPD pedals you can get equally as clapped out as the like SPD flat pedals that were on her bike. And I just looked at her and I'm like, really? She's like, should I get new pedals? And I'm like, I just kind of was like, yes, yes, you should get new pedals. So she's like, okay. <laughs> it was great. You know, what'd be, you know, it'd be crazy. Oh man, this is going to go. So for the person that likes to run like glitter and dirt and stuff in their sealant, <laughs> what if you run Animal an hair? SPD? What if you run an SPD on one side, like the left side, and a Crank Brothers on the right side? So you have different pedals on either side of the bike. You know, There's I always be like some. You know what? If I need to put a to do that. if I need to put a foot down, it's usually my left foot. So I would run the Crank Brothers pedal on the left side, so it's easier to get out of, and I use it less. There you go. All right. So hopefully somebody does that. Hey, I just thought when you said that, like I would. I think you could like gather up dog hair and put that in your tire and that would help plug up holes. Maybe. We should probably go to listener questions. We we are doing listener questions, aren't we? Ish. So I do have a couple of real questions. Um so Mark has a question and he sent us money. He says, Hey Matt, new to the show, but I thought I'd ask a question about a fork I need to buy ASAP. I really like your guys' take on things. My daughter races in the regional high school league and has been on the podium a lot. She's 5'6", 110. She's on a handed-down hardtail. She has Chris King stands, OG crest wheels with a GX Eagle group, Hope brakes, 
Um, there's a very probable few year old Scott frame heading her way as well as a slightly with a slightly aggressive head angle. The giant is 71.5 and the Scott is 69.5. The downside is the fork. Uh, was it like an old DT Swiss the, or something? The downside, in my view, is the fork. Don't laugh. I ran a 32 Talos TerraLogic, 95 to 120 Ooh. adjustable travel. Serves to regulate and it functions perfectly, but it just isn't right for her. Oh, God. I'd like to buy used, paid for in part by eBaying the Talos off. A budget of no more than 450 My thoughts are a new, newish Fox 32 CTD or an RS SID. It cut a fair amount of weight, and it'd be better suited for her. I love the idea of a step cast, but I don't find any use that aren't boost. I think I've given you enough info. Any thoughts on this would be great. Thanks for your time. Mark from Michigan. Um, what front wheel does she have? 15 by 100. And a, oh, geez, a Chris King? Can you yeah. get a boost booster kind of kit for that? Uh, bigger thing that I'm going to say real quick is you're running into a weird area where there shouldn't be... Any fork that is of that quality, that is being sold, that is not boost, it probably has a problem. Yeah, yeah. Like, don't get a used, never get a used piece of suspension equipment ever. Dude, yeah, please don't buy. The only time you should buy used suspension, in my opinion, is you got some weird-ass bike that's got some weird-ass rear shock. And also, of all things, rear shocks are way easier to repair and rehab, even if you need replacement parts than forks Forks are. are hard. Like, don't. Do not buy a clapped out fork. Like you will regret the shit out of so it. So what I'm gonna do right now is I'm gonna look up RockShock's forks. Um, I'm gonna blow his mind because there's a RockShock. So the most uh, the most basic fox you can get is gonna be like six fifty ish, and it's it's worth every penny. Yeah. Did he say that bike's twenty nine? Uh, I don't think he said a wheel size. I don't think he read a wheel size. Mm. We're just gonna assume it's twenty nine. Giant trance. So if you're gonna if you're gonna get a used fox, by the way, don't buy anything that says CTD on it. Oh, yeah, giant CTD is, is one of the worst things to happen ever. So giant swore off twenty nine for like a hot minute. So it may not be a twenty nine er. Yeah, that's true. But basically, if you get a fox, even if it is used, make sure it's in good shape. And if it does not say grip or fit for on it, do not buy it. I mean, and here, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I apologize. Fit 4, it needs to say fit 4 or grip. If it says the original fit was kind of a turd, the CTD fit was the biggest turd, uh, yeah, don't don't buy those. I mean, and also, he sent over like $10 and a new RockShox Reba RL 100mm 15 by 100 is five hundred dollars. I'll just refund you your ten fucking bucks. Like, <laughs> like seriously. Um, yeah, my advice would be buy that Reba because they're very serviceable and everything, and they actually work pretty darn good. I would get one of those. Um, and if you can swing six fifty for a new Fox, do that. Or if you're absolutely positive that you're getting a good condition fit for or grip used Fox then you can do that, but it better be like your buddy's fork or something that you can physically look at or have a shop look at or something like that. Yeah, this like should that. be something that, like, if you get a used fork, it needs to be your best friend who's going to be like, I can't, like, if it's someone that's like, I need to sell this fork out of town, you don't need to buy it. Well, another good point is, like, if you have a buddy whose frame broke 
and they're like, oh, by the way, this frame broke. So, yeah, this fork's just been hanging in my garage. Cool. But usually forks don't just get sold. Like, you don't just need to sell a fork. So, um, well, I think usually you sell a fork because the shop is like, hey, we could rebuild this thing. It's kind of clapped. I would sell it on eBay for $200 and put that $200 towards a new Fox. Or a new bike. Because I tell people that at least once right. a week. Yeah, I had a really hard time with a customer this week where I was just like, you shouldn't do anything to this bike. And they're like, but I want to spend 150 bucks on it. I'm like, oh, okay. And I was like, I need you to understand that moving forward, you don't need to do any future triple-digit repairs to this bike because for $1,000, I can sell you a hardtail that will blow this bike away. And the customer looked at me like I spoke in Dutch to her, and <laughs> she just was like, sure. I'm like, okay, cool. So uh, it was a 26-inch specialized Enduro, if that helps set the stage at all. Um, yeah. So we have another listener question that did give us money, so let's knock that out. Because I think talking about buying bad suspension used is bad. We've done that so much. I get it, they're new to the show, but like, God, that's a dead horse at this point. Um, so let's talk about Ed's question. Ed, is well, this a grouchy old guy in the bike industry? I don't know. So, Ned, actually, sorry. Oh, okay. Ned in Tennessee says, quick thanks, I love the show, you all rock. Sent over some long overdue money because I hate asking questions about three to $4,000 bikes as if I've got nothing to spare. Big question burning a hole in my pocket. My current bike is a 2019 Stump Jumper ST Elite. I love this bike, and it's perfect for East Tennessee, Western, North Carolina riding, but I've gotten into racing, mostly in the high 20 to 30-mile range, mostly in the Pisgah area. Most recently, I did the Pisgah 55.5K. I include that example just to show I tend to favor longer stuff with big climbs and some technical descending. I'm looking to, towards getting a more XC bike, my local bike shop is a specialized dealer, and while I don't care about brand loyalty, I do care about supporting the local shop whenever reasonable. I'm a little worried about the brain for the Epic since it sounds hit or miss, but I can't reasonably demo one first. I definitely want to end up with a dropper, so that will be that will tack two to four hundred on the tab. And I would like to get a power meter as well. I mentioned these items since I'm roughly aiming in the two to four thousand dollar range, and thus may have to wait on those items if I overspend it first. Thank you to the bikes below because you may have mentioned distaste for specialized website and he sends links to everyone. So we have an epic hardtail comp versus an epic expert. And then there's an epic carbon at 4,200 and an intense sniper that comes with a dropper and is in his budget. Um, so just right off the bat, we are a licensed intense dealer. Um, I'm not interested in their product anymore. I think that's the most PC way I can say that. They, You get what you pay for, including the customer service. So when we look at these different epics, I'm just moving on from that because Andrea said that for me. So, well, I think you will regret getting the hardtail. Kenny, do you disagree with that? I mean, hardtails are dead. I mean, there's few people that can do well on them certain types of riding but east tennessee hardtail like and eh, pisco too like i'd say i'd vote no but i mean there's people that can take it i can't um i just I mean, don't really like them there's dicky 
<laughs> he doesn't I mean, count. it's not like you can't go fast on a part tail. That's not what I'm saying. It's just it's an enjoyability thing uh, for me, especially if you like descending. So my vote would be, all right, there's nothing wrong. The new Epic is leaps and bounds better than any old Epic. With that said, you just got to know what you're getting into. The brain is going to require more money to keep going. It's not like horrible. Um, basically, if you can just budget $200 a year to get that thing fully rebuilt, you're going to be fine. And they do; they are trying to stand behind that rear shock more than they did before. Hopefully, it's because I bitched at a lot of people about it because um, I thought it was just unacceptable the way they were treating customers on brand new Halo bikes. Um, and they seem to be perking up a little bit and taking care of customers. For the most part, if you are the original owner of that bike and you lose damping within a year, they're probably going to take care of it. So it doesn't mean they're going to do free wiper services for you, but if the actual damper breaks or something else breaks in that shock, they should take care of it. So, I mean, it's a good bike. Like, it climbs pretty damn good. It's got good geo. You can put a 120 fork on it. You can put a dropper on it. It's light. Um, I mean, I hate to say it, but the new one is a pretty damn good bike. Um, we sell a lot of them. I work on a lot of them. And, uh, you know, if I had unlimited money, I would probably have one. I just kind of have the one bike thing going on right now. Uh, but like a full travel stumpy and a Epic with a 120 step cast 34 on it and a dropper is pretty hard to beat. Which it's a good bike, bike. So which bike does he have now? This, the he stumpy has an ST, ST. So he's got the same bike that I do. Okay. Yeah. 130, 130. It's 130 factory on the fork, 120 rear. Mine is set up 140, 120. And what what does that, like his bike weigh right out of the box? Ooh, he has the Elite. I think that's the aluminum one with the Fox suspension. So okay. it's going to be like 30, 30 pounds-ish, I'm guessing. All right. I was going to say, like, if he really wanted to just still keep it at one bike, just get a really nice light set of carbon wheels for it. But it still sounds like it's a little not quite quite racy enough. Yeah. I think really what he'd need to do if you're going to do that, you got to get the carbon yeah. frame. Uh, and you can build these bikes at 25 and 26 pounds. Like you can absolutely build a stump ST right. at that weight. It, it is 100% doable. Is it worth it? Yeah. I don't know. Especially if you really are yeah, getting into yeah. racing and you do want to do some sustained climbs. I, I think... You know, keeping that bike to play around on is uh, not a bad plan, or maybe even stretch that fork out to 140. Um, I really enjoyed mine at 140, and it's pretty cheap to do. And then get an Epic, and then you've got your bases covered. Yeah. So there's probably a lot of other really good bikes out there. I think the Niner RKT is still a very relevant uh, new good top bike. Fuel. Uh, I haven't ridden the new. I haven't ridden the new Top Fuel. I can't comment on it. Uh, my buddy um, built one. The Scott Sparks are good. Levi built one. Yeah, double extra large with XCR 12 speed and Santa Cruz reserve carbon wheels with a tiny frame bag with all the flight repair essentials is 28.8 pounds. That's like yep. pretty good. For a double XL frame, especially with the bag and the... Uh, and the big ass dropper post and, and the, the tallest Envy bar. Uncut. So like those those reserve wheels are not like... They're big man approved. Yeah, like those are big guy carbon wheels. Big person carbon wheels. Yeah. So I wouldn't think that you would love either of the specialized Epic hardtails. Uh, We'll weigh on in this real quick. 
the Epic Hardtail Comp is actually a better buy because that Epic Expert Hardtail has those terrible hubs in those carbon wheels. So the rear hub is definitely going to shit the bed on you at some point. It's a formula hub. Yeah, so be aware. Yeah, and that that's an Achilles heel of uh, some of the specialized stuff. Again, I'll, I deal the amount of specialized stuff that I deal with on a day-to-day basis, like I don't think people can fathom. <laughs> it's it is unbelievable. So, I mean, I'm definitely I'm pretty confident with their stuff. I mean, Big S makes some really good shit. However, the number of issues I have out of that stupid rear hub. Stupid with a T. Stupid. But it's no big deal. Just lace in a DT350. Good to go. Um, front hub's a hub. It's got two bearings in it. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, that rear hub. Jesus. It's, uh, I don't know if it's like a remnant of the old Hilo hub. I think it's made by Formula. It is the shittiest hub I've ever seen. With the exception of the new uh, stands hubs. Those are <laughs> those are dumpster fires. <laughs> um, well, cool. Do we want to go to the next question real quick? Real Only if it's quick. It I'm can, hungry. It can be quick because it's really funny. Oh, good. So We haven't had a lot of humor in this show. Peter L. titles his email, Carbon Rim Job. All right. I like it. Hey, Jerry Crew. Wait, I feel like we, we haven't just, talked about buttholes on this show in a long time. I feel time. like we just like ended Ned's on like a hard note, but like I don't know, like specialized hubs aren't good, don't buy them, right? I mean, that's the closing argument. No, I mean, I think the the closing argument is I think the Epic is a really fucking don't good Don't get a bike. hardtail. Just be just be prepared to spend 200 bucks a year on that shock. You're probably good the first year and then uh don't buy one with that hub and if you do, you put a DT350 or some other hub in it and you're good. But honestly, you should so. spend $200 a year on your rear shock. Every year, if you're the kind of person that I mean, yeah, that's that's like if you want to keep your bike for a long time and not just if you want to ride it for two years and then sell it, if you want to ride it for two years and then sell it, just do an air can service on it after a year and then sell it after another year. Bye. If I don't know why people boohoo about it because it's a hundred dollars for a regular rear shock every year or two hundred dollars for a brain. Like if you can't afford a hundred dollars in extra maintenance on like a tip top XC racing bike. You might be in the wrong game. I, like, I don't want to be a dick. I don't but, think the like, problem that I have with it is the maintenance or the maintenance cost. I think it's turnaround time. And that, that's without a doubt, that's uh, that's an issue. A lot of bigger shops, including myself, uh, because of a lot of the shit that we've stirred up, hopefully, we have a lot of loaner rear shocks now for that very reason. Oh, wow. So we just pop on one and uh, the customer's good to go. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, not even loaner. Like we actually just do a swaparoo. Like they just get a fully rebuilt rear shock. Um, like you just have a factory refurbished shock that you install on their bike, and that's then correct. you use theirs like a core charge. And then the next person walks in a week later and says, "New Epic shock need worky," and you're like, "Actually, I have a refurbished one in stock. Let's go." You got it. They oh, give me two hundred dollars. Cool. They give me two hundred dollars. I put a uh, fully rebuilt. Wiper seals, damper oil, whole nine yards on their bike. And now, granted, I'm just busy as a shop, but in theory, I could get them going in less than a day and they have a new rear shock. Right. Like, honestly, that's like, for argument's sake, if they caught you at the right time, you might be able to just, like, hey, go get lunch. Or if a customer was in a tight bind, like, hey, I hate to do this. You know, I spent a thousand dollars two weeks ago making this bike race ready, but my rear shock just shit the bed. You can say, oh, go to lunch. I can make this happen for you. 
Exactly. I don't know what specialized official stance is on it. They might not uh, be helping out smaller shops as much. I don't know. But in my opinion, if you buy 10 or less epics, they should probably give you one shock. And then, you know, for every 10 that you're getting, they should probably give you one more. I think I've got five or 10 or something like that um, just at my location. So they are stepping up. So hopefully they will continue to do that and support it. Um, and I think that was a mistake that they realized they made and they are willing to listen and fix things, which is good. Um, I don't think they realized just how many people were pissed off and the amount of downtime that's involved and the miscommunication between some stuff being covered under warranty, other stuff not. So, um, I think the stance they're taking on it now for the most part is if the damper fails in any way, shape or form in less than a year, original owner, they just suck it. They suck it up. They rebuild it. And then anything beyond that, you're responsible for it, and you can do the uh, core charge swaparoo loaner shock situation, and you're good. Sweet, that's really yep. cool. Well, um, so cool. Uh, I think you should get a full suspension bike. I think you'll hate a hardtail. Yeah, don't ride a hardtail in Pisco. All right, now let's talk about this carbon rim job. So, Peter says i'm looking at updating my current setup either through a new bike or a new wheel set i've been shopping around and i've noticed the weight limits listed and they make me a bit nervous i'm six five and a solid 210 <laughs> with normal bike wear first and foremost am i overthinking it and if not thoughts on carbon rim setup they can handle my weight and a two three to two five inch tire yo kenny you think those revolved traverse rims are up to the challenge? The Stump Jumper Pro 29 build seems pretty sweet. And he sends a link as well because we all know the Specialized website is a dog turd. <laughs> um, and I'm going to scroll for you, Kenny, because I have the link. Oh, it's a 350 hub in that bike that in the rear. Good. So that's good. But So traverse hoops, the hoops themselves, I see pretty much zero yep. issues out of. Maybe one person's wadded one up in a rock or some shit like that. Uh, but for the most part, hoops themselves, good. Things I do not like about them, I don't like the lower spoke count, especially in the front. Um, hasn't been a huge issue. The biggest thing you have with those rims, if you get them, is you need to use the little pluggy thingies uh, that go in the nipple holes, and then you need to put the black strip uh, over it. Do not just run the black strip. Those things are shit. Uh, it'll move to the side. Your rim will fill up with sealant. It's going to corrode all the nipples, and they will all explode. I have not seen that. But we don't have a ton yep. of those out there. No, we don't. Yeah, we have a metric shit ton yeah. of those out there. And you just got We've got like five pounds with specialized, of those <laughs> With specialized wheels, any specialized wheel that runs the brown tubeless uh, strip or the black one, which is the newer one, you should never, ever, ever run those wheels with just the strip. Uh, you will get sealant bypass in some way, shape, or form. It's going to fill up the inside of your rim, whether it's aluminum or carbon, and it will fuck your nipples. <laughs> hey, yo, that sounds like a fun Friday night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's fun until you got to rebuild them. And then people don't understand why you got to re-nip a whole wheel, and they're all super bummed. So We, just, we just, actually we just do, did that on a really old set like not too long ago. Yeah, so what we do is every bike that goes out the door that gets tubeless out of the box, which is almost all of them, uh, we will, depending on the rim, because there's different rim profiles out there and stuff, but for the most part, if it's aluminum, we'll use a thin, the nice traverse that's nice and wide, like the 30 mil internal, 
we'll use like a 19 or 21 mil stands yellow tape on the middle part. Uh, the tape doesn't even go up on the sides. That's not the point. It just covers up the nipple holes. and then It's you like use a the, sealant dam. Exactly. And then you use the black strip over that, which is full width. And then if it moves to the side a little bit, it's not the end of the world, but the uh, the strip seats up against the beat of the tire, which helps with the sealing process and all the other stuff, and it works great. And then yeah, if sealant, it's carbon. Uh, if if it, you haven't gotten it from now, like sealant is bad for alloy nipples. It's really, yeah, it's bad. Um, it takes about two years in my experience, and then they all explode. So, and then on carbon rims, we use the pluggy thingies. And not all new builds and rims, for some weird reason, come with the pluggy thingies, but you can buy the pluggy thingies from <laughs> uh, from Specialized. And they're little plastic circles with little O-rings Do around them. Do those fit in any rims? Mm, I don't know. Haven't done them. But this they work well for a flat bottom rim. If it's got a curve to it, it's not going to work, um, but the 30 mil internal traverse rims, use the pluggy thingies, and you'll have a good time. And if you don't know what Kenny's talking about, just call Specialized and just ask for some pluggy thingies. A- ask for carbon rim tubeless pluggy thingies, and they'll know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> um, yep. And if you French fry when you're supposed to pizza, you're going to have a bad time. Right. And I'm trying to look up. I can't find anything on Santa Cruz's website that says they have a weight limit. But our big friend is six six and right at two hundred ish pounds, and he runs Reserve Wheels. So and I, my would, other, I don't think that uh, Knox Tia Callies have a weight limit either. No, nah, Tia Callies are badass rims. They're awesome. I would totally recommend those to anybody anytime. I think the Traverses will be okay. Um, the other option is don't be scared of just a, a burly like EX471 or something similar from DT Swiss. Run some ballin'-ass spokes. Don't even be scared. 32-hole front and rear, Aerolites, DT350 hubs, or Industry 9 whatevers, or any other number of hubs out there, and that would be an awesome wheel set too. Yeah, I mean, the the point I want to say, even if, if you're 120 pounds and you say, should I'm worried about running this wheel set in particular, you shouldn't run that wheel set. Like, even if there's no chance in hell that you'll ever break it, if you are worried about it and you're going to think about it and it's going to bother you while you ride, just don't do it. But if... I think that the it sounds like the Traverse or the Tiacalis or any of the wheels that don't state a weight limit, if that doesn't bother you, then do those because they're good. If you buy carbon rims and you don't have $500 in your pocket, don't buy carbon rims. That's my advice. Yeah. So Knox rims, the lightest rim has a 240 pound weight limit and nothing else has a weight limit. That Skyline's probably lighter and narrower than what you're looking for anyway. So. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he'd want to do the Tiakali for sure. But yeah, Tiakalis are nice. That's like my go-to. I'd go Skyline for like a gravel bike or maybe a Tour Divide bike. All right. Well, do we want to conclude it with that? Shut it down. Oh, I want to. I want to say one more thing. The at the half growler, and at the GoPro race, both times I had listeners like kind of yell out like, "Is that Andrea?" or "Hey, Andrea," or "Thanks for the show," or something. I just want you guys to know, like, during races, I'm pretty focused on what I'm doing, 
I mean, I try to like really put an effort towards being nice to like volunteers and not being rude to other racers. But if I don't give you like a high five or something during a race, like I really appreciate it. I appreciate the shout out. And I'm amazed that some people know who I am without me knowing who they are. Um, so yeah, it's nice to see you out there and it's always appreciated when I hear a friendly voice on course. So yeah, if Andrea does not make eye contact with you and flips you a double bird, it really means thank you. And she's (laughs) just trying to win. So that's it. Uh, so that's it. Are we going to shut it down? Yes. Down it shuts, shut it, sit down. There's so many places. Okay, thanks for listening. This is right at an hour-ish. And, uh, yeah, until next time, have fun, take care, wear your helmets, and if you break them, don't go ride the next day. Or the next week. Bye.